1: Good evening. Welcome to the One, the Only Hog Talk podcast. We're part of the Believe and Buzz Radio network where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz 2 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. I'm your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas. Alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight, and all live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, Arkansas, as well as Bet Online, where they remain your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season to esports, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. With the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, so head on over to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And uh, Jacob. 12-5 and five overall, 1-4. and four. They've lost three in a row now. Arkansas basketball seems to be on, on a little downward uh, trajectory when it comes to uh, where we thought this team was going to be. Uh, I mean, we kind of knew it was going to be a tough game against Alabama, the number four team in the country, but coming off that loss against Auburn, and then you're hoping for some kind of bounce back against Vanderbilt, but... You know, it's always tough when you go to Vanderbilt and play. When you're on the road, it's always hard to because Vanderbilt's not the, the typical Vanderbilt squad when you think of Vanderbilt as a whole. You know their baseball team's good. Their football team's always the one at the bottom. And their basketball is starting to come a little bit alive. But Arkansas had trouble with them. So we knew it was going to be a toss-up, and but to see them have a ten-point lead with about a little over seven minutes left, and then the the bottom just fell out. I mean, they lose ninety-seven to eighty-four, which again drops them to one in four in league play. And you know, I'll get your thoughts in a second, but just to, I know they're out, Nick Smith Jr. and Trevin Brazil. But to me, this loss is one of them things that you think with the pieces they have. Even on the road, this should have been a game that they should have won.
0: Absolutely, I mean that there is no like you lose a ten point lead in a matter of four minutes, like in the first in the second half. I mean, you did everything right in the first half defensively. They were they had a standard they were meeting, and it looked like Arkansas was gonna just roll through this thing. I, at, at halftime, I said, "Man." I'm gonna walk into this store and I'm I'm gonna go hang out and I'm gonna come back and I come back from inside that store and they're down eight. And I'm thinking, what in the world has happened? They went on a 33 to 17 run and it just got worse as it went. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, Anthony Black and Kamari Johnson. I mean, I know that they're aggressive. I know that they wear their their uh, hard on their sleeves. Uh, when they're out there playing, but man, like this was just... And then Devo, I mean, I, I thought there was a call there at the end of the game where Devo's uh, feet, I mean, I think the, I think the lead was about six, and Arkansas had a little bit of momentum going, and then Devo couldn't get off a screen, tripped, didn't, in, didn't trip the Vanderbilt player, but the Vanderbilt player fell down with the ball, which should have been Arkansas's ball. I mean, it should have been called a travel, and I'm thinking... What in the world? Like this was the point where Arkansas should have been able to uh, take the momentum back and maybe win that game. And it just didn't happen. And, and I mean, there was a lot of on ball screens where Vanderbilt was able to get to the top of the key and, and slash and drive and get to the basket with these at Jordan, right? He killed Arkansas last year. He did the same thing again, uh, it was just a really frustrating loss. And, I mean, I know that Arkansas was frustrated with their loss against Alabama on, on Wednesday night uh, with kind of the same thing where they were down 12 and they fought back. And then, you know, it was kind of like that Kentucky game uh, a couple of years ago with when John Calipari uh, got ejected. And and that moment that Nate Oates called that timeout, something switched, and Arkansas just they couldn't respond. And they couldn't respond to uh, – Yesterday, either against Vanderbilt, and that's a shame because I really thought they could go on the road and beat Vanderbilt yesterday.
1: We'll go, we'll go back to the Alabama game. You know, you start off ten for twenty six in the first half. You're <laughs> shooting thirty eight percent. Then you come back yeah. in the second half. You're shooting fifty three percent. You know, you've seen that there was hope. But, but the big alarming thing that was for me headed into the Alabama game was they knew they could hit the three. They knew that they yeah. could shoot the threes, and it was. Three back to back threes that that just killed. I mean, it went from down two to Mm -hmm. it, it was just out of reach. I mean, I think I believe it was 65-63 when when that happened. Yeah. You know, you held them to two for ten shooting three points in the first half. And they averaged nine point nine. So basically ten threes a game. So I mean that's thirty points off threes are averaging. You knew they were gonna hit, and they went seven for ten in the second half. I mean, that's a huge turnaround. Yeah. But then again, when you look at how Arkansas shot, I mean, they know they're not a three-point shooting team. So they were two for ten for the whole game. They only attempted ten threes the whole game. But when you go 15 for 23 from the foul line in a game that was tight, it was called tight. We knew it was going to be chippy. Here's the thing and we're going to talk about this on down on what it's going to take to turn things around, that's my number one thing right there. It's good. Yeah. You're going to have to reach their shooting, shooting better because they know it's you're not spin. going to. And you're going to be in these intense games. You've got Kentucky coming up. You've got all, you've got all these teams coming up where they're going to know that, let's get you on the foul line. You're, you're shooting 65%, and then let, let's go to the Vanderbilt game. You, you shoot 62 that is that that's that's and I know the reasoning and, and it's weird, it's the things like conditioning. Because I tell people everybody thinks and I think we stated it on uh last week's show, when we talk about running up and down and then you stop and then shoot free throws, it's hard. When when you've got one, two, three, four, you got four guys at thirty or two guys, yeah. You got Anthony Black, thirty eight minutes, Ricky Council played forty, Devontae Davis is playing thirty eight. So you got these guys playing 35, 40 minutes. Makai Mitchell has played 22, Mikhail 17, and then it goes down. Uh, Jordan Walsh played 16. I mean, he was 0 for 6 and 0 for 3. I mean, 0 for 6 from the floor. I mean, yeah. that just it, it can't happen. So, again, my number one thing, you have to sure up your free throw shooting, something. I mean, that's mental and conditioning. You've got to mentally know – and because that's the biggest thing, you get off your mental game. When if you're a shooter, you're going to get those. But but back to my point was, you know, in the Vanderbilt game, they come out sixteen for twenty nine in the first half. Okay, they're you're, they're rolling. They pick things up because mm-hmm. they're always starting slow, two for six from three. But then again, fifty seven percent from the free throw line. They pick it back up on the free throw percentage, and and then uh, seven for ten and seventy percent. But again, the bottom just falls out. So I don't know that. What the answer to that is? I don't know why the bottom keeps falling out where they're close, and then things just—is that the fact that they don't have enough guys that they can sit there and play twenty, forty minutes, and, and it's depth and conditioning? Kind of like we were talking about the football. Is it the same kind of thing? Well, I mean, what's your thoughts on it?
0: You know, I mean, I haven't thought about the correlation between the football and the and the basketball program there. Just because it's t- kind of two different things, but I've never felt like Eric Musselman's kind of lost the grasp of this team. It kind of reminds me of last season, you know, where they lost to Vanderbilt early on, they lost to Hofstra. I mean, and they still turned it around. But you had guys like J.D. Notte and a guy like Jalen Williams that that you always had that threat out there that could to extend the defense out from the basket. You, and and right now they just don't have that. I mean, yeah, you've got Joseph Pinion who can give you a couple of good minutes, but that's it. Once you have him off the floor, I mean, Arkansas doesn't have anybody out there that scares you. And you can employ that zone over and over and over again. And and really, I thought Arkansas did a really good job at attacking the basket. And like you said, they shot 62% from the line, and that has to be fixed. I've not seen an Arkansas team under Muslin be, or any. Arkansas team for that matter be this bad at free throw shooting uh this is Memphis 2009 bad where they were I mean if you I don't know if you follow college basketball that close back back in the early late 2000s when John Calipari was the head coach at Memphis but uh the biggest issue that that Memphis had that season with Derek Rose and his teammates was the fact that they couldn't shoot free throws very well. And, yeah, they were able to make it to the uh, national championship game, but what cost them? It was the free throw shooting. And that's what's costing Arkansas right now is, yeah, you don't have the firepower from beyond the arc, so you've got to make up those points everywhere you can, and, and that's free throw shooting. You know where they rank in free throw shooting in the country. It's, it's like 350th or 250th. Three thirty seven. Okay. Three.
1: Yeah. The three, no, they're 229 free throw. 69.6, 229. The three-point percentage is 337. Their effective field goal percentage as a whole is 126. Wow. I mean, points per game, they're at 54. Uh, the biggest mm-hmm. one that got me was the assist for field goals made. They're at like 280. And, and the thing, it, it's just you, but you look on the other side, it's just. Opponents' points per game, 74. You know, 10 points Mm -hmm. average score margin, negative 10. You just look at these stats. Three points made per game, you're ranked 353 in the country. Three (laughs) points attempted per game at 16 is 347. But that goes back to, at the beginning of the year, when you think about Trevon Brazil and Nick Smith Jr., and you think you had those two other guys. That is why... We knew that. I mean, we knew that was going to be a liability. The three point shooter. You didn't have that one guy. We were looking at this team at the beginning. You've got a bunch of slashers scores, and if Mm -hmm. you're slashing and scoring, and you get to the free throw line, you have to make your free throws. And if you're sitting at your free throw percentage is two twenty nine in the country, and you're supposed to be a top ten team, and one of the best countries is, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, we'll go right into that. Steve Culver makes a big point that I was going to talk about. Yeah. You don't have that guy who can get you a charge and make that momentum of if they're driving, you take a charge, especially at a home game. The games that yeah. you might not get those calls on the road. But that's that's one of those guys that's going to get you a charge. And, and Jordan Walsh seemed like he was going to be one of those guys that are in Anthony Black that can sit there and take a charge. So...
0: Yeah, and I know and you don't have a Trey Wade either. Yeah,
1: you you don't. You don't or a
0: Stanley and And that's what we thought we were getting this year, yeah. especially with a guy like Ricky Council. I mean, I, and we talked about him early on this season as a guy that we thought could 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 be streaky from three. He has not been that in SEC play. He's been ineffective. I mean, yeah, he's got the athleticism and able to attack the basket, but man. You've got to show. This team has to show something. Oh, wait. shoot more threes. Be more effective from 3, you know. Uh the the less threes you shoot as a team, the uh I mean, you're not going to counteract with the 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 opponent. That's like Alabama shooting, you know, what what did they shoot like like 10 threes against us the other day? The only way you're going to make them is if you shoot them. Yeah. And they're not going to shoot them because they're scared to.
1: It's As just a whole like the other night, uh, they were not. In the, shot the 20 Auburn 20. game,
0: Ricky Council had the ball down in the uh, in the corner, uh, down three, and he could have tied it with a three, and he just he just passed it up. Yeah. He was open enough to shoot it. But the only way you're gonna be effective from three is if you just take it, reckless abandon and just go after it. You've got to attack. I don't care how you attack, but you can't keep on doing the same thing over and over and over again because that's insanity. That's a definition of insanity
1: well and and this is the thing and and i agree with that to a point if you're not comfortable and you don't have that 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 confidence that you're a three-point shooting team you're going to get run out of every game if you if you can't make free throws if you're not confident enough to make free throws and you're not a three-point shooting team and you go into that that mindset but you look at the difference and Look at the Vanderbilt game. You know, they were two for six in the first half, and then they shot 12 threes in the second because they found themselves behind trying to get back. Yeah. You start shooting these threes, and I know they were at 41%. They made five of 12, but and, and seven of 18 as a whole. I mean, they made seven threes. But if you go into the mindset of, okay, we need to start shooting more threes, knowing you're not a three, that, that's almost like um, if you are a run-heavy team and then you're just going to start passing. Yeah. If you take yourself out of your mind, your game, you're, you're going to get run out of these chips. And, and I mean, they lost by 13 at Vanderbilt. But another thing I do want to bring up, and I, I rarely talk about the refs in a, in a matter, but when you have um, 30 fouls called and you had Mitchell, Makai Mitchell fouled out, Kamani fouled out, he, he played eight minutes and had five fouls. Jeez. I mean, that, but that's the Ooh. thing. So if you have a game where it's chippy, we're talking about like the Alabama game. When you called, you know, there was 22 fouls on Alabama, and then against Arkansas there was 23. So when you're playing these games and there's that many fouls called, that affects you big time on, on defense. If you're sitting there, I know Anthony Black was at was five or four fouls for a, a big part of that second half. So when you're when you're sitting there with four fouls and you're a guy that's giving them eighteen points, you're lead, one of the leading scorers, you play defence differently. And and one, and yeah. especially how the game is. And this is one of the things that are just the most infuriating things about how the game is played now and how the shooters can shoot the ball, come down and flop and get that three point or and one or go to the line. I do not like that. Because now if you're down when you could really kind of close out and play defense on a three point shot, you've got to watch not only him going in the act of the shooting, but how he comes down. So there's another factor in the three point defense.
0: Yeah. And, and they've got to figure something out because, you know, you know, Nick Smith may or may not come back. You've got to figure out a way to, to be able to be more effective offensively. I don't know what it is like, uh, and they're doing fine, like, playing post, like, post-play. They've been fine. Like, this is the best post-play I've seen Arkansas have probably since the Stephen Hill, Darien Town days uh, and maybe the Bobby Portis days when uh, when he was here. Like, Arkansas doesn't regularly have great post-play. And right now, they have. And I, I'm going to pull this up real quick because um, we were talking about stats earlier. Arkansas is 12th in uh, in the country and in two point baskets made per ball game, eighteenth in two point attempts, and they are making it at fifty five percent, which is in the top fifty nationally. And if you and if you don't think top fifty is very many, you, you gotta think there's three hundred and fifty eight teams in division one basketball. So like, that's that's really good. And and Arkansas does a good job at the post. But man, they got to figure out a way to to go deep mid range and and more threes because i mean yeah you shot 5 or 12 and, and you felt that sense of urgency coming from them and i think you you can't just not have a sense of urgency when you're down you've got to have a sense of urgency throughout the game yeah in my opinion because you know it it's kind of like in the football for the football team like them letting off the gas and and then not having the sense of urgency to to come back and 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 try to finish out the game. Like you've got to find the sense of urgency and know that, hey, you know, we shot forty five percent from three the other night. In the second half, maybe we should do it. Maybe we should shoot more threes. Have that sense of urgency, and I think you, I think you might find a way to bounce back because you go to Missouri. Am I right? On, uh, yeah, yeah. Wednesday night, they travel to Missouri. And then they come back home Saturday to Ole pl- uh, play Ole Miss. And Missouri's no gimme. Like We had a dogfight with them uh, last, uh, yep. last week or two weeks ago. And that's your last win. I mean, you've lost three straight, all three by double digits. And you probably could have lost double digits to Missouri at home last time you played them. So Arkansas has <laughs> got some work to do. Eric Musselman has a proven track record of getting things right. We just don't have the picture as fans and as as people that cover the team. We just don't have that picture right now that things are going to be better.
1: The the light at the end of the tunnel. Every one of these things that we're saying can be fixed. Every single one. And and another one that we point out is is the turnovers. They they rank 182 in in the turnovers a game. And turnovers per play. 15.7% mm-hmm. of the plays wow. are turnovers. That's 117. And those are things That's you can sure high. up. Those are things that you can can change. And we said this a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't know how much of this Nick Smith Jr. stuff has affected this team. I don't know whether they know or not if he's coming back or not. But there's been so much talk about... And especially when you go on a three-game losing skid. Well, they need Nick Smith Jr. They need Nick Smith Jr. They, if they had Trevin Brazil and Nick Smith Jr., this would be different, which it would, of course. You take two guys off, off any team that's averaging as many points as they were in double-digit scoring, any team in the country would be affected by it. But, as I alluded a few weeks ago, is it going to ca- start causing a distraction? This three-game skid, has it caused a distraction? Has the Nick Smith Jr. stuff of the team feeling like they can't win without him, has that started to kind of trickle into the locker room of, well, if we had him, we would, I mean, is that like an excuse of, well, we're not winning because we have him. If we had had him, man, look what we could be. And then it turns into a biggest what if. This, this season could turn into that. It could turn into the, one of the biggest what ifs, in Arkansas sports because you got to look at coming into this season this was i mean other than you know Corliss and Todd Day Lee Mayberry years this was the most anticipated season ever yeah. and you're sitting at 1 and 4 in conference play you you know it, it and I'm not in the locker room so we don't know but I mean it, it's it's fair to speculate I think it's a fair thing to ask because that's yeah, all we hear absolutely And that's why I said a few weeks ago they need to piss or get off the pot when it comes to his news. Now, there's this week news. Okay, he is for sure coming back. There's been rumblings, okay, on radio saying he's coming back. How much is that what they think is doing good? They might mean well saying he is definitely coming back. But how much is that turning into bad where it's the negative part of it? You don't know.
0: Yeah. And these guys, the guys on the team – They have played organized sports for the longest time. You can't – you've got to have the mindset of we've got to play with the next man up. You can't just say what if. I mean, because I could – I remember we had a a couple of our guys that semester, they didn't make the grades back when I was in school, and they were off the team the rest of the season. And our season tanked the rest of the year because they were – are three leading scores. I know it sounds like impossible, but it happens in high school, and it stuck because we went from being a very competitive team to me being thrust into the freaking starting lineup, and and I was terrible. <laughs> and uh, you know, it. And we always thought about what if those guys would have taken care of business. What if we? What if we? We could have won some games. We probably could have beat the Junction season. We probably Probably could have gone back on the road and beaten the Parker's Chapel, you know? But you've got to have the mindset. And I know it is hard because even I've been in the same situation where you think, well, what if we had him? Like he's our he's our leading scorer. He's our biggest guy on the team. He is a hoss to stop. But you got to think about it. You've you've still got your leading scorer on this team in Ricky Council, who's still playing well. You've still got your Anthony Black. Who can be who does have the potential, who has three 20 point games this season, and two of them were fantastic games that he played in Maui. You've still got your your two bruisers down low in the Mitchell twins. We can't play the excuse game every single week. And and Eric Musselman even said so. Like he said during his pre- during his press conference, he says, we are struggling because this team was built around what we had in Nick Smith and Trevin Brazil, and we're still trying to figure things out.
1: Oh, okay, so let me catch you off. I, 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 yeah, but is ahead. that on the coach?
0: That is on the coach
1: because don't you have to adjust? I mean, you you look Absolutely. at this team was built around this, and we had that taken away from us. And I know it's still early yet. We're we're a few games in the you know we're what five games into the SEC in league play, but when you have such a quick turnaround now. A Wednesday, Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, whatever how it is. I mean, you gotta know how to adjust and how he game plans Absolutely. that and that's the thing. That's what's puzzling, and that's why I do put a little bit of this on Coach Musselman, because we know how intense he is when it comes to game planning. And he knows everything about every other player that he's going against. So, when you're putting him in an A-plus when it comes to game planning, you've got to hold him accountable if game planning and getting your team ready to play without these pieces. All yeah. right, this is what we're going to do. But this is yeah. where I go back to the, the players in this Nick Smith Jr. thing because you look at free throws and turnovers. 80-20, that's mental. So, Absolutely. again, when it, when it's a mental game, when these are mental things that were going on, they're taking good shots. Their free throw, their their uh, field goal percentage is up there. Good. Their three points, not. But their free throws and turnovers is the biggest things that they have to shape up.
0: Yeah, and shot quality. Even even I have a subscription to shot quality, and they talk about uh, the good shots compared to the bad shots, and they take into account if Arkansas would have made their good shots what the potential final score would have been and and all that. And they take away the bad shots and they penalize, you know, so on and so forth. You have to go check this out. It's shotquality.com. Um, like there was a game the other day with uh, Iowa and Michigan and and Michigan had had ended up winning that game. But if Iowa had hit some of their shots that they needed to hit, which were good shots that they took that they missed, they would have ended up winning the game by double digits. It's a weird, it's a weird like, like a percentage deal. But I, I encourage anybody to uh, get a free trial at shotquality.com and, and check it out because it really shows and breaks down uh, the types of shots. Because not every shot is a bad shot. It takes in like the percentages and the analytics of like the players and what their percentage uh, field goals are making. Say Devo Davis taking a three, which is not a strong suit because he takes, he takes really good mid-range to, to short-range shots, and they take that into effect in these percentages and, and good shots that are taken. So, yeah, I, I would look into that, because Arkansas, if they would have fit their good shots, their quality shots, they would have won two out of the last three instead of losing all three. Yeah. It's a weird thing to look at. It just gives me the uh, the good feeling to know that, yeah, maybe maybe Arkansas, if they can just start hitting their good shots. Well, Uh, quality shots, they they can win these games.
1: you got to look at also, they don't have anybody other than, okay, Anthony Black and Mm Makai Mitchell, averaging over five rebounds a game. So there's another thing when you're looking at rebounds per game. You've got two guys (laughs) that are, you know, Makai is 5.76, Anthony Black's 5.12. All right, your leading rebounder, Trevor Brazil, he was at six rebounds a game. Yep. so that's another one. we're talking about these missed f- field goals but you don't have anybody really I mean they're, they're 33 rebounds a game So you know yep. that's another thing that you you're gonna have to shore up your rebounding you're gonna have to get better at your rebounding on the ball again things that can be fixed I don't I don't I, and I don't fault you for for the whole that stat thing you looked up but I just I see that as yep. nothing but a what if deal you know I mean I understand Absolutely. I understand the purpose that they do that. But if you dive into that, you're like, man, see, we would have won, according to stat, we should have won the last <laughs> yeah. two or three games. I mean, it doesn't right. – to me, that's not fixing the problem. It shows you the direction. Absolutely. But we know where this team needs to go. And it's just there was so much promise. Last thing I'll say on the subject, there was so much promise coming into this year. And it's one of the things Pinto says, hogs going to hog it's another one of them things where there was so much promise, so much, you know, where you had something to look forward to. Football teams coming off a nine-win year, they go six and six or seven and six. You come in, all right, all right, we got basketball, we got basketball, can't wait for basketball season. Got the best team ever. You're sitting at one-four in conference. So, I mean, it's another one of those Charlie Brown goes to kick the football situation.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and we, we can always hang our hat on Arkansas can get better. this is, this is where I'm going to end after the segment, but we can always think, okay, until he proves us wrong, maybe Eric Musselman does the, the mad genius can figure something out. And right now, man, I don't know. I really don't know. This is the first time I've actually doubted the mad scientist.
1: Well, and, and it's not maybe doubting him. It's just maybe there's, you know, we know how high-strung he is, yeah. how much energy he comes into this. I know I'm a high-strung person myself. And if you feel overwhelmed, yeah. you know, and I, there's just no excuse, but sometimes it's just like you're trying to do so much and you feel like you're doing this and then that doesn't work. You know, yeah, I'm not going to fault the guy. I know that we, he's got to be held accountable to things, but you know what? We're not. You're not going to go to every elite eight. You're not going to go to every final four. No. Yes, there was more emphasis put on this season, but at the end of the day, you've got to look at the facts, not excuses. You take. Yeah. Uh, let's look and see. So you're looking at um, Trevin Brazil was at eleven point eight points, eleven point seven eight points a game. Nick Smith Jr. was at twelve eight, and that was in and out. So you push him up to thirteen to fifteen. Trevor Brazil up to twelve to thirteen. You take off that any off any top team in the country. You're sitting in the same spot as Arkansas. That's just facts. It's just yeah. the way it is. But you have got to learn to play with what you got and get into the tournament. Maybe he comes back SEC tournament time. Maybe he comes back. You know, towards the end. But until then, there needs to be a timetable. There needs to be something because it's starting to affect the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk some football uh, recruiting. And Arkansas has been hitting that transfer portal uh, porter, and and they are, and it's not the guys like you you think that man you're getting these guys from like Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, which those things can happen, but Arkansas, the guys that they're been able to get they're getting very highly sought after transfers, transfer. So I'm excited to get this after the break.
1: Yep. And we'll be right back. After we hear a word from our sponsors.
0: Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in south-central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. Com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas, has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821
1: North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And welcome back to the Hog Talk podcast. We want to give a special shout out to the sponsor of the show, Arkansas Brewing Company at 201 South 1st Street in mm-hmm. Ozark, Arkansas. Be sure to go down if you're ever around the Vera Valley, Ozark area to go down and see Destiny and Chris Brockett. They're always having some good drinks, good dinner specials, good lunch specials. So 201 South 1st Street in Ozark, Arkansas, you can call ahead of time at 479-667-2739. And we're on to the, the other other news of the week. We had a very busy week when it comes to transfer portal news and and trans um, recruiting news. So, Jacob, uh, kind of give us a rundown on just some of the recruits we got coming in and some of the transfers that you've been keeping track of that have come to Ooh, Arkansas. It
0: is. It has been a busy, busy, busy week because you, you look at last week in Arkansas. Uh, they this is the last weekend for for this semester uh, before the semester begins that you could have uh, transfers enroll. Uh, so this is a big emphasis, emphasis weekend uh, to try to get those guys in. So you you were able to bring Ty Broden in, who was a who was a transfer away from Bowling Green. You six foot seven, about two hundred ten pounds. So it's really good size, and you already had like an Andrew Armstrong, and then you had a you had a lot of size. I didn't realize it, but Arkansas is recruiting guys and adding guys to to this roster that are just absolute freaks of nature as far as like size and ability. And honestly, I don't know if this is this may be. The biggest Arkansas wide receiver room I have ever seen, because you you add Broden, who is now the tallest Razorback receiver at six foot seven. You had Andrew Armstrong, who is the guy from uh, Texas A&M uh, Commerce, and I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, he's an FCS receiver." The guy had thirteen hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns in the FCS. I, I don't care what division of football you play; that's dang impressive. And and he's got the size and he's got the speed to make a difference at the next level, and and I, I trust that you know you look at all the offers that he had uh, coming out of uh, out of Commerce, uh, and, and you think about you know oh well what about old, what about old John Ridgeway the guy that was from Illinois State he was an FCS transfer he's pretty good guess what he's doing now he's got a significant role with the Redskins you get Isaac Tisla. Uh, the black Tesla that was at midfield of the practice facility in Colorado was not enough for prime time to uh, to land. So Arkansas got him. He's at six foot four. You've got Luke Haz, who is the tight end out of Oklahoma out of uh, out of the uh, Tulsa community uh, of towns. There he's six foot four. You got Devion Dozier out of Alabama, who is six foot four. You've got Shamar Easter, who a lot of people said, Oh, Shamar Easter's not coming here because we lost Dal Loggins. Well, guess what? Guess what? Today, he said 100% affirmative. I am going to be a hog. So the Ashdown product, six foot five tied in, who could be more of a flex receiver, uh, six foot five. You get Jaden Wilson at six foot three, Sam Bakke, six foot three, Landon Rogers, the Little Rock Parkview product, six foot four. Quincy McAdoo, who does have a choice to go back to wide receiver, but is a stud defensive back. He is six foot two, which is obviously a very tall, a very, a very physical uh, size at uh, defensive back. You get Bryce Stevens at six foot, and you get Isaiah Satania at uh, at, at five foot eleven, which is the uh, a very big wide receiver room, and that that should make the size there should make anybody that's an opponent nauseous. Yeah, And, and and they, Arkansas got really, they were really lucky because they got three very good portal wide receivers to come in. And they wouldn't have got that if they hadn't had the success with a Traylon Burks, who was a homegrown product. And then you also don't get the the type of players like Jaden Hazelwood and Matt Landers to come here if you didn't have the success with Burks. And you don't get those three if you didn't have the, the, these three right now If you didn't have the success with transfers, Hazelwood and Matt Landers. So Yeah.
1: And and you don't have the pressure of when you have multiple guys. And that's the thing. We were only getting one or two different guys. You had you know Landers and and, and Hazelwood or but I'd tell you what, knowing that you got your top tight end and somebody behind him that you can, you know, develop. You don't have to bring in a tight end right away. You you got these kids that are coming in six four, six seven. Taylor Burks was only six two. And look how much you counted on him. Yeah. You get a couple oh, of these absolutely. guys who you need somebody in this offense that, that they run. You know you're going to run the ball, but when you pass the ball and why Arkansas was so effective, if you had a guy that would go up and get the ball. He would go up and get those 50-50 balls. So some of those balls that, you know, third and four, third and six, not only, Dan, you got to – we are talking about finding somebody in the flats or trying to do this play-action pass – and even if, say, KJ's not having that type of, uh, of efficient day, you just throw the ball up and, and like I said, 50-50 yeah. ball. So, it's, it's going to be a huge help, and, and especially with the running room that they have, and you get a bunch of these guys in the wide receiver, you get them to come in and, and get developed and, you know, learn the system, and what you're going to have, you're going to have a veteran quarterback that has, I mean, this, this is his last show. This is his last ride and you got a guy in, in Kendall Browles that uh, apparently the, the handcuffs have been undone, we're going to really see. And you know what? When you get to lick your chops and you you, you you sit here like this, all right, the whole offense is mine. All right, but what that comes with is more responsibility. More of this all offensive right. stuff, if things don't go right, it more is going to fall on you. Hey, look, man, you wanted more of the offense, you're going to get more of the responsibility. So – Take advantage. We talk about I mean McAdoo taking advantage of he needs to be on defense. I mean that that dude yeah. he found his calling and Stood. you got the kid. You're talking about Easter. I mean, you get these kids who want to be hogs and want to be Razorbacks. They're gonna come in, and they're gonna ball out, they're gonna be dogs yeah. because it means something to them. And I'm not saying it don't for the others, but it does. It does you can't say that it don't mean more for these kids from Arkansas. That have grown up Razorback fans to get to put that on, so that's going to be another thing to look forward to next year. When maybe not all is lost, but I'm, as as much as we yeah. we kept saying it, this is this is the most important season coming up for Sam Pittman in his tenure at Arkansas.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of disparity too uh, between the two big uh, recruiting services on three and uh, and. 247 sports. I'm looking at 247 sports right now. Arkansas's transfer class currently ranks 23rd, 23rd right now there, but they're like top five in line three, which, I mean, it, it's hard to, yeah. to really gauge, especially the transfer portal and stuff, but that's where the Arkansas's class ranks on transfers. Uh, other guys that they got was uh, Alpha Alpharique. I'm probably going to just absolutely butcher the guy's name until I, I finally hear the pronunciation, but... Uh, Walcott, who was a safety, Arkansas got him last week. Six foot two, two hundred nineteen safety. Whew, that's a lot of that's a lot of beef right there, baby. Mm-hmm. And then you got a uh, Lorando Snacks Johnson, who Arkansas also offered uh, when he was in high school. Uh, when when Chad Morris was here, he's 5'11", 181. one eighty one. He'll be a defensive back. You've got Antonio Greer, who's a linebacker, six foot one, two twenty two. John Morgan, who uh, who is a transfer from Pitt, he is six foot three, two hundred forty pound edge rusher, and then you get obviously you get Jacoby Criswell back. Uh, he's here, and then you get Joshua Braun, and obviously uh, he, he's an offensive line. You you've got a couple of more places you, you can add more talent to. Arkansas has lost twenty five players to the portal. They've got ten so far, um, but the portal season it's not done yet, Porter. Like there's still you still got after spring ball when guys can enter the portal too, uh, and, and into the summer where you know Arkansas didn't get Hazelwood till June, they didn't get Matt Landers till July, they didn't get a guy like um, uh, John Ridgeway until nearly the the end of July uh, in 2021. So there's it, it takes time to get these transfers in, get their visits in. But really, this is a promising class again, and, and and these transfers wouldn't be coming to Arkansas if they didn't feel like Arkansas could could enhance their careers because Arkansas has done a really good job at evaluating the talent and and a lot of the guys that that were on this roster this season and obviously this season didn't go as well as we we thought it would, but a lot of the main contributors were transfers. You think about Landon Jackson, and and I'll let you let you take your. Uh, uh, let you say something. But, yeah, you've got Landon Jackson. You think about all these other transfers, uh, Drew Sanders. There was a lot of impact uh, impact guys that were on this roster this year that were transfers.
1: It, it just shows me that a, a big part of this. Look, guys, wide receivers, they're looking at their offensive coordinator. What's, what, yeah. what's he going to do? How's he going to get me to the NFL? Just like quarterbacks. How are they going to get me into the NFL? So, that I mean, that does prove to me in a way that – the Reigns are fully Kendall Bryles. We're going to really see what yeah. he's able to do. And I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, you know, when you're at a place like Florida State and, you know, back, back in the day when they were getting the recruits like an LSU type, I could see if, if he started to falter, you know, started to, started to trail down. But there's you're, it, it, you're so many other schools you've got to think about Florida State has to recruit from. You look at the resurgence of Clemson and how many people they've taken away. Look at Georgia. How many people have they taken away? You know, they're they're surgeons. So you cannot fully base on what Kendall Briles did at Florida State to what he's going to do here. Because I think yeah. what you're getting here is when you get guys to Arkansas, they want to play for you. And maybe that's what it was. Maybe they – the guys who left or the people who come in and didn't produce, maybe they were hoping that – he would have more say-so in the offense and the plays and stuff. But then again, it's just like there was some questionable calls that he was making that maybe yeah. there was there was a trust issue. So now it's going to be one of them things. Look, you want, the, you want to stay. Other people are trying to get him to come to – but people are still wanting him to come run their offensive that, at other schools. So they see what he can do. They see his potential. So now you're getting these guys that you see all these people leave – I mean, the only one that really – honestly, the only one that really surprised me and really let me down was Catalan. Yeah. For, for him to be, you know, all Arkansas and to, to be, you know, he, he wants to play for this state and play for Arkansas and wear that Razorback jersey. And I understand his health. and I, and, and what got me was the fact that he didn't leave for, like, the NFL. He left for Texas. And I know.
0: I mean, I didn't care,
1: but I mean, well, I know a lot of it probably had to do because Odom left. You know what I'm saying? You're right. you're, you're trying yeah. to you're trying to get to the point to you're wanting to get healthy for the NFL. So you don't know what this new defensive coordinator. But it's just that you're getting the same thing by going to another school. So I, I don't know. That that's the one that really shocked me because he was the leader of this team and the captain. It, it, it you know what I'm saying? We're old school. We're old heads. Yeah. Our captain oh, yeah, leaves us. That's the one that rang the bell to me. Like, I, I don't care what he – I know he kind of – but the injuries held him back from his freshman year, but it's still the fact that that's the one that kind of even – not even a full-fledged Arkansas fan hurt because it was like, man, you were our captain. you You were going to come back to Arkansas if you decided to come back to Arkansas and be that captain, and you decided not only go to another school, it's the school that you went to. I think yeah. that's – and I'm one of them 40 years old in Texas and Arkansas rivalry kind of thing. It's like, why would you have to go to that school? That's all – that's yeah. the only thing I have. I don't hate the kid on his decision or I'm not judging him. It's just that's how it affected me when I found out he was going to Texas.
0: Yeah. I didn't care if he would he could have gone anywhere in the SEC and I wouldn't have cared. He could have gone I, – I hate Ole Miss and I hate Texas A&M. He could have gone to either of those two schools and I wouldn't even cared like – Texas though. Yeah. You were one of the ones like Catalan was one of the guys that that helped bring Arkansas back and and one of those wins was against Texas at home. I mean, I know he's a Texas kid and all, but I really thought he would have gone somewhere else besides Texas. Uh there Steve also said something about uh this weekend's news about Brawls going to TCU. It's garbage. Uh, He is not going to TCU, and I will uh, 100% definitively say (laughs) that he will not go to TCU this offseason. He may go next offseason. It's just TCU
1: trying to stay relevant after that beatdown. Absolutely. They're trying to, oh, hey, we're in the talks with TCU. I mean, that was – and here's what I will say this. TCU blocked. I don't care if they got their brains beat in. I do not care. Georgia was a machine this year but you can't tell me now we can argue the fact that did they deserve to get to the top four, whatever, but they got in and they beat Michigan, a team that just skull drug Ohio state. And I I will say this on here. I've never, we want to talk about, everybody wants to talk about Razorback fans and how they're fanatics. I've never heard more pissing and moaning and crying, which I had to deal with it against Ohio state with, with the whole fumble deal and you know they should have beat Clemson. You know back in nineteen eighteen or nineteen, but you know Fields ended up throwing an interception. You know it's like you, you missed yes. a field goal. You had your chance. You know, and and I've just I've just never heard a, a fan base. I mean for a week straight, cry. But you again and, the week before you got skull drugged by Michigan. You can't sit there yeah. and say that you. I don't know. That that's just my two and cents, and they want
0: to get rid of Brian Day. Yeah, the exactly. guy's forty-five and six yeah. overall as a head coach. You think we got problems, Arkansas? This guy?
1: Seriously, that's, that's what like, I'm saying. Arkansas. You think you're you you got problems, and you want to question oh your gosh. coaching staff? Go up there to Columbus. The guy's forty-five and six, and they're calling for his head because he got beat by yeah. Michigan twice. That's how real that yeah. rivalry is.
0: Yeah, you know, I know that's the, the biggest game of their season every single year, and we know that the Big Ten. Isn't nearly the, as deep. I mean, they have a very good conference, but man, like 45 and six. Mm-hmm. I alluded to that in my article earlier. Yeah. Like, they should not be so ticked off about the way they've gone to the college football playoff three times under day, mm-hmm. three out of the four seasons. Yep. And they've gone to the national championship game in one of them. Like,
1: yep.
0: delusional. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And oh, we, get, we get in Arkansas
0: fans. Yep. I'm an I'm a huge Arkansas fan, and we get called delusional. But but you're not going to call the Ohio State University fans delusional, and they want to fire a guy that's forty five and six.
1: Shut up. Yeah, and Y'all but that's stupid. the thing that just shows that when it comes to fandom, when everybody says they're the worst fan base, it happens everywhere. It does yeah. happen everywhere, but to, to sit there and cause to stir up things, and that's what we're getting into. We we. We got people in, in, in another state, you know, they, they just, it's like, they would rather stir up stuff just to get stuff on their yeah. channel. Whether they know they're right or wrong, they don't care. They're thirsty. They're thirst traps. And they yeah. know they're stirring the pot. One dude got called out by the South Carolina coach and he's like, I don't care. Look how many views I've got off of it. I'm like, right. "Okay, so you're selling your soul to the devil to be a clown. And you're laughing about it. You know, that's not yeah. the, you're not a journalist. You're, you're not a media dude. If you're going to sit there and thrive off of calling out, and then next post later, you're sitting there riding them. You know, you, you play in the fence and being a rider, but that's my rant on that.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, no, and Garrett Riley, he's a heck of an offensive coordinator. You don't just win the Brawls Award, Mr. David Basil. Yeah. You, I mean, the guy that created it, you don't just win it. Because you're just some ordinary guy, like you have to be top-notch offensive coordinator. Yeah, they only have managed 156 yards of offense but, in Monday's game against Georgia. But you know, listen, Garrett Wright is going to do some good things at Clemson. I'm really excited to see what he win. can do, especially with Klubinick. Is yeah. that how you say his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, because I, I'm really excited to see what they can do if I've they can said take that next step. When
1: up. Venables left and, and Elliott Elliot, that it, that I really personally felt like their elite status over. And it might still be with, with the addition of him it, it, because it's hard. Yeah. You know, there, there's a huge, and we can say it, I can fight it all I want. But just that just shows you, you put a team other than Ohio State because they can recruit on the same level. You put a team like TCU against Georgia, that shows you the difference between an SEC yeah. team and any other conference. You yeah. could have put Oregon in there. You could have put Michigan against them. You could have put anybody. Oh, you in the already ACC. saw what Oregon got yeah. beat
0: by in Week One.
1: But the SEC that just shows you it's like almost it's it, it is an NFL farm league against the rest of college football. Yeah, that's just and the you way it see is. that
0: you see that with an NFL draft every year. Our SEC always has the most talented uh, drafted in the draft each year. Like that's just that's just the nature of uh, of the SEC. Like that's just how it is, and. But, yeah like in Clemson for a while that they were they were probably could have be like a an SEC team just because they had the defense. line of scrimmages on both sides of mm-hmm. the ball and and they had elite offenses like they would have fit in with the uh, SEC but man you like the big 12 teams like that they cannot go and and manage to 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 be competitive in a league, like in the top half, like in the top three or four in the SEC, just because it's so physical. Like the big 12 is an offensive driven league. And, and in, you got to have both of them when you go to the SEC, like it used to not be that way, but it is now.
1: Well, cause that's the difference in, in, in styles of football. And, and you got to realize yeah. you, you look at Michigan starting to be that way. But you look at the mm-hmm. style of offense, it's almost like you, my school for when I was in high school at Ozark. We run a triple option in high school. And we would just run rup shot. Us and Booneville would run run shot through the whole conference. It'd be either us or Boonville. Then you get to the playoffs and you play against a team that's passing and have athletes, and it still happens to this day. Yeah. You get in the playoffs and you play against athletes, and then you know, you're used to scoring 42 points a game. Then you get in the playoffs and you just get run because you can't match up with them. But you're used to at halftime a game being over, and, and I'll say this about Clemson, and, and I'll ring the bell or whatever, and give give the floor to you. But at least in those days when Clemson was winning the championships, they were playing. They played a home and home against Alabama. They played a home and home against Auburn. They played a home and home against Texas A and M. They played a home and home, or, or not a home and home, but they played against Georgia. You yeah. know they were playing them early in the season. And other than Alabama, I think they went two and zero against Auburn, two uh, and zero against Texas A and M, and split with Georgia, I believe. But mm-hmm. then they right. play the ACC schedule, and then they go to the playoffs. So it wasn't like they're playing this cupcake schedule. Played one game against Michigan, or maybe a Penn State, but they always end up overrated. And then you get the college football playoffs, and then you get skulldrunk. I mean, they got beat thirty one nothing, you know, and then Clemson beat them twenty nine twenty three. But it, it's you got to start playing. Better competition, and I think with this format of you got USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, maybe that's going to open up some of those possibilities. Where, and I think that's what's going to help college football get those games because you say Ohio State plays in Alabama, Ohio State goes zero and one. Well, their chances of getting the college football playoff are, I mean, knocked in half. Yeah. So you open up the 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 twelve game or twelve team playoff it's going to be better because you're going to get better games at the first of the season because they're not going to be so scared of losing that game because there's still a chance to get back in the playoffs
0: yeah and and i really think that it helps all of college football to to try to you want things to mean more during the regular season you expand it to 12 games and and you got you have guys like even after one loss or two losses you know you you you're playing with your back against the wall like you're a top 10 team and you know where you have to be and you've got to continue winning. Like there, there's no reason after the first loss to tank the rest of the season. Cause you still have a chance. And that's, that's the great thing about this college football expansion to me. I don't think it's going to be a watered down product at all because we're, I think we'll still see usually some of the same, uh, same teams every year, but I think we're going to get a more exciting product And And honestly, Arkansas might have a chance. To get to the college football playoff every now and then if it expands to twelve. Well, and that's that you alluded to that.
1: The fact that with NIL and we're talking about well, everybody's gonna go to these four teams. Well, if you open up to twelve and now more teams start getting there regularly, it's gonna kinda even that out a little bit to where more more kids and more you get to the uh playoff and you start getting more people to oh well, we just made it the the college football playoff three years in a row. Now, bo- uh, boosters and donors start investing in your program. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at what South Carolina done. Look what uh, TCU done in one year. Five and seven, to, they play for the national championship. Look at, you know, Tennessee, what Heupel done. You're going to get these teams that, as big as the SEC is, look at an LSU that made it to the SEC. What if they would have been to the spot where they had a rough go against Florida State? They make it through, you upset Alabama, get to the the SEC championship game, and you still make it now because you're you're not judged in August for how you're playing yeah. in, in November and December.
0: Yeah, it's kind of similar to the '64 uh, team uh, March Madness pick. You know, you're you're picked among your. Uh, Because of your last ten games, not because of what your what you did in the uh, NCAA tournament. I mean uh, the SEC or your conference tournament. Because that's desperation. How have you been doing lately? What have you done for us lately? And that's that's the big thing. Like you may be able to see a team that started one and two make the college football playoff within you know within a year or two of of the twelve team playoff uh, becoming a thing because because it's what you've done for me lately. And, it's, and that's a, in a lot of ways in live and a lot of ways in college football is, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, And, you know, I, I really think with with the transfer portal, when in I, with NIL, like it's definitely going to level out the playing field. And I know there's going to – you've still got the A&Ms and the Alabamas of the world. You've got the LSUs of the world. But I think, I think we'll start to see things, like you said. I think you'll see more things kind of level out. And I think we started to see that here this year because there was legit a legitimate like we knew there was a really good Georgia team. And you then you had like Michigan's Michigan and Ohio State, TCU, Alabama, Tennessee. They're all right there together. I'm starting to see a little bit more parity there. You even had Penn State, who, you know, we heard a lot of uh, Ohio State, Michigan in the Big Ten, but they were a quiet eleven and two. I didn't realize that. They they finished in the top ten in the country this year. Well, they, I they, didn't even realize During that, that Ohio
1: State game, I mean, they pissed it away. They had three turnovers there. Yeah. I mean, it was a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. I mean, they had three quick turnovers. That guy had the defensive game of his life for Ohio State, or that was a close game. Yeah. So, I mean, but, yeah, it, it, it's going to be awesome to see. I'm glad. I know there's a lot of people against it, but I think in the end it's going to be really good because, I mean, more people's going to go to these four schools, and with NIL, more people's yeah. going to get the money. So you, you never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. But, uh, man, like, I'm really looking. I'm intrigued, especially for next season. I, you know, I know it's, oh, there's always next year. I'm really intrigued by what Sam Pittman is doing. I've been impressed with his assistant coach hires and his defense coordinator hires. And I'm really intrigued with his portal recruiting to go along with one of the best recruiting classes Arkansas has ever signed. I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen next year because you've got the talent on offense. What are they going to be able to do on defense? Because really right now, like you can score 45, 50 points a game, kind of like what Tennessee did and win 11 games. Like (laughs) it could be a good thing. You may not have to have a defense to, to uh, be competitive in the SEC. I think the but, biggest you know, thing,
1: they're going to be the underdog again. They're, they're not yeah. going to have all that pressure of coming of off a nine nine-win win team. season. I mean, you you know, I, I just think that's really going to help when it comes to this transfer portal until they get settled in. But, again, when you got a quarterback like K.J. Jefferson and you really don't have a clear number two, it, it's, it's all on him. So,
0: yeah. And Anything he's else? he's definitely getting more a little, little bit more disrespect after uh, after this season, which oh, is yeah. not deserved because no. he was a. They said he was was it top fifteen? Like well, that's he was like going, the fifteenth yeah. or sixteenth best returning quarterback. Fifteenth, yeah.
1: And and there was some wow. that didn't even they had a didn't even have a logo by their name where they were even starting. So, but here's the deal. Look, these national publications know Arkansas, they know the fan base, and. They, yeah, he could be top ten. And they're like, well, let's put him fifteen and see what kind of traction we get. It's all, and it's way too early anyway. They know what they're doing. I've said that. Oh yeah, many of these people who love Arkansas, they latch on when Arkansas is doing good because they know they're going to get the interactions, and they'll admit it. But that's the way it is, you know. And we love when they love us, and we hate on them even more when they hate us. That's that is what it comes to when you're when you're the likes of like. Our good friend Aaron Torres, Josh Pate, Jake Crane, all these people, when they give them love, everybody's hopping on them. But when they hate us, you get twice as much because they're saying something oh, bad yeah. about you. So.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Two two quick things before we wrap things up. Uh, Tuesday, right. we're having our weekly women's sports report presented by Fordham Lee Distillery. We're going to have the women's tennis coach, Christina Sanchez, on. Uh, had a chance to go by and tour the facilities of the team, another ranked team. Um really having a promising year this year, having some highly ranked international stars come in. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, Britton Wilson with her performance, setting a new NCA record in the 600-meter. Um, when we talked to Shauna Taylor, she has a, a kid coming in that hasn't even stepped on campus yet, won the Mexican amateur. And then the big news is uh, I, I put it out there last week, February fourth at Creekmore Park. I am taking the polar plunge. I, yeah, I'm going to jump into a cold pool of water for the Special Olympics. Um, we set a goal of five hundred dollars. We're at one fifty right now. Thirty percent of the way with a month. You know, a little under a month left. Um, it, it's for a great cause for the Special Olympics that I'm very dear. You see behind me every show it's played for, and, and yeah, it's going to be very cold and freezing in February, but. I'm willing to do it for a great cause. Uh, thank you to everybody who has donated already. I done told everybody that we are going to pitch in $100 towards the cause, and if we get to the goal of $500, i am going to have it. We're going to go live from Creekmore Park, and we're going to film the whole thing, me jumping in, <laughs> swimming across the pool, and getting out. So if you want some cool entertainment, some funny entertainment on February 4th, you're going to see me jump into some freezing cold water and – uh, we're not going to be on the radio, so I if I yell out something I'm not supposed to because I'm jumping in there into the cold water, hey, excuse me in advance.
0: <laughs> I won't have to pay your FCC violation. There you go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, Porter, man, it's been a good show yes, again tonight, man. I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, what you have going on this week. I think it's going to be really, uh, really fun stuff, and the tennis team. The golf team, I think mm-hmm. they've uh, they had some pretty good stuff, too, oh, this yeah, weekend. Always. So, yeah, a lot of good things going around besides just the big three. Uh, exactly. So, Arkansas I mean, women take yeah. on Vanderbilt tomorrow night. We'll be
1: there. I'll be there at the game tomorrow night. Uh, Arkansas plays Vanderbilt at Bud Walton Arena tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. I think it's going to be on the SEC Network. I'm not for sure. But, yeah, yeah catch, us, catch us for all the live updates all throughout the week. Uh, for Jacob Davis, I'm Porter Hayes, and that will do it for another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast see you tomorrow night at the game and we'll be right here back on tuesday thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube